Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 422. I just went on Royal Caribbean's Odyssey of the Seas, the brand new cruise ship, newest ship in the fleet, and my first time on a Quantum Ultra Class ship. What was it like? What did I love? And what do I think of Odyssey of the Seas? We've got a full review on this week's episode. Here we go. Anytime I get to go on a new Royal Caribbean cruise ship, it's always extra exciting. And after, I don't know, 17 months, whatever the count is of no cruises, uh, you know, going on a new cruise ship and kind of getting back into the swing of things of that type of excitement is extra welcome because, of course, it's been so long and it's just nice to be able to be doing this again. And I just sailed on Royal Caribbean's Odyssey of the Seas for a six-night Western Caribbean cruise, and this is my first time on Odyssey of the Seas, and also joining me on this podcast, and also was on board with me, is uh, Billy Hirsch from CruiseHabit.com. No doubt Billy is uh, recording this podcast. We're we're back at home now, and uh, I'm sure all the windows are shut. There is um, some Evanescence playing in the background, and uh, I believe the world's tiniest violin may or may not be on his shoulder. Billy, welcome back to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. You have absolutely nailed my uh, my post cruise depression playlist and uh, and routine, but uh, I'm glad to be here talking ship with you at least. Uh, listen, uh, a little Amy Lee never hurt anybody. It makes the it makes the getting back into the world just a little bit easier. <laughs> and uh, we're talking, of course, about Odyssey of the Seas, and both Billy and I were able to uh, go on this cruise. So this was Billy's first Quantum class ship, and my first time on Odyssey, although I had been on Quantum and uh, Anthem of the Sea. So we're coming out from different perspectives. And and I'll let Billy talk about his perspective here. For me, you know, I'd gone on Quantum and Anthem, and I always liked the Quantum-class ships. I always still preferred, I think, the Oasis-class ships over them. But what was nice about the Quantum-class is that they were different enough from the Oasis, Voyager, Freedom-class lineage that it just gave it a little different kind of feel. Uh, But it always, I felt like it lacked a little something. And uh, I think Odyssey really filled that. And we'll talk about that later. But Billy, talk to me about your decision to pick Odyssey of the Seas. Um, you know, I've, I've wanted to get on board a, a quantum class ship for a while now. And I think uh, you and I were actually supposed to be on um, Anthem, I believe it was, in July. Yes, that was a Royal Caribbean Blog Group cruise to, uh, to Nor- Norway. Norway. Uh, my uh, my favorite cruise destination, by the way. So I was really excited because I'd been wanting to to see a quantum class ship, and and that was obviously disappointing. So when the opportunity came up to uh, get on not only a quantum class ship but a quantum ultra class ship, which I'm still trying to figure out what that means, um, but uh, a quantum class ship, a brand new ship, uh, and do so um, at a low price, sailing with friends nearby, it ticked all of the boxes. Um, both long term and uh, and that scratching that short term need to be on a ship itch. Um, so I was, you know, everything came together. This was maybe one of the, um, in that sense, maybe one of the most fortuitous cruises that I've been on in quite some time. Yeah, you know, it was great that we got to go on this. Although Billy, I'll be the first to admit that had we been able to go on Anthem to Norway, we would have been able to quote Maelstrom for an entire week, which would have made our wives extremely happy to sail with us. I I, uh, I don't know if you know this. I went ahead and uh, and replaced all of the tchotchkes in the house that entire week with trolls, little <laughs> trolls you buy in the Norway Pavilion, and uh, you know just to to set the mood. I also ate nothing but uh, pickled fishes for one week. So my apologies to everyone who had to be around me. 
There, that was an Epcot joke if you have no idea what we're talking about. But anyway, let's move back to the cruise ship here. Uh, we're running on a six-night cruise sailing out of Port Everglades, sailing out of Terminal 18. Terminal 18 looks pretty much as I recall. Uh, it's very easy parking over there. Uh, they have that surface lot, which I really like because that basically means you park your car and you literally walk across. It's not even a street. It's just the, I don't know, the, the way of the drive-in. Uh, and you, you're right there. So it's, it's probably the easiest. No elevators involved. And in this world of COVID, hey, it's one more outdoor, sunny uh, parking spot to go to. So that was super easy. I don't think you, do you have any observations about Port Everglades that was different? Because that was my first time back in Port Everglades at a Terminal 18 since the shutdown. It, the, the only thing that I'll say is it was Terminal 18 at its best. Um, Terminal 18 was really designed for the larger Royal Caribbean ships. And overall, I would say they did a, a very good job. You and I both uh, sailed on several ships out of that uh, terminal before. However, in the past, um, with really large ships, there's one big bottleneck, frankly, and that's the pickup drop-off area, mm. which became kind of a non-issue when uh, things run at lower capacity. So uh, in that way, it was my my favorite visit to Terminal 18. There you go. Love it. Uh, so getting on board the ship, super easy. Uh, you know, my we have the check-in times. And again, yes, your check-in times matter. Yes, arrive when your check-in time is scheduled. No, do not arrive earlier than that. Uh, and certainly no more than about 15 minutes earlier than that. You're going to be waiting outside. And it's just not in Florida. It's just not fun to be outside uh, without air conditioning. So uh, do yourself a favor and and avoid that. But, you know, getting on board the ship and, and you know, at first, when you first walk on in the Royal Esplanade, you know, other than the art, it's hard to really tell the difference between any of the quantum class ships. They all kind of look the same in that regard, but it's a beautiful area. And, you know, uh, let's talk about early observations, Billy. What do you recall most about? Because for you, it's a little bit different. Me, I'm constantly, in my mind, comparing this to Anthem of the Seas. And we'll get into some of the big differences in just a little bit. But talk to me about what kind of struck you about a quantum slash quantum ultra class ship. So when I first walked in, in uh, into the part of the, the Royal Esplanade, you know, I was expecting for that part to be different um, because it's the, the Esplanade, not mm. the promenade for what that's worth. And, um, you know, while there is a different feel, um, it wasn't the the night and day that I thought there would be, though I did like the layout more because there's like just putting the, the pub, the... Um, was it uh, Crown and um, Crown and Compass? Crown and Coke. No, that's a that's a drink. Crown and Compass <laughs> um, in uh, in the middle there, um, and having that bifurcation breaks it up a little bit, and I like that. But the the Esplanade itself did not immediately strike me as uh, being as different as I'd expected from the Royal Promenade. As soon as I exited that area, though, uh, not even I'll say even before exiting that area, just as soon as I got to the elevators. That's where I went, ah, this, this is something different. This feels different than every Royal Caribbean ship I've been on. And it may seem silly, the elevators, but just the some of the materials used in the elevator lobby, um, some of the some of the things they did with lighting, um, buttons, I, I, it, all, all those little things, when you put them together, that's where I had my first, okay, this is really something different moment. And, and it just went on from there as I, as I visited different parts of the ship, including our stateroom. Yeah, the, the elevator buttons are kind of interesting because you don't have to actually touch them. You can touch them if you want to, but if you just hover your finger over them for a half a second, not even, they will activate. And that was the, this is the first time I've ever seen them on any Royal Caribbean ship. Someone said this was, this was on Celebrity Ships, Billy, maybe The Edge or something. Is, is that accurate? Uh, none that I'm aware of. Uh, the... Some newer celebrity ships have in the elevator, in the elevator, not in the elevator lobby, um, a touchscreen. 
Okay. And that just because of the way capacitive screens work, I guess yep. you can get your finger close to it, but it's, it's a different system. Uh, the, the thing that I liked, uh, since, since we're talking, uh, it's the, the elevator podcast with Billy and Matt. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, with Matt and Billy. Uh, we, uh, the, the thing that I really liked, uh, actually, that I was one of those things that I went, okay, this is different and highly functional. And in fact, comparing to Celebrity that they have on Celebrity Edge is the elevator lob, uh, each elevator door in the elevator lobby has above it a light and it lights up green or red, really large, really bright, really obvious to let you know if that elevator uh, is at the is at the floor ready for you to step on and whether it's going up or down. And, you know, when you're in an, uh, an unfamiliar place, especially those first few days, but even going on, it just makes things a lot easier. And, and uh, I appreciate those little things that that take uh, the minor bits of friction out of your your navigation of the ship. I thought you were going to talk about Hal, who's waiting for you inside. Yeah, I'm still not convinced that that is not some sort of uh, <laughs> computer spy mechanism uh, that's trying to to lock me uh, away from the airlock doors. But um, yeah, uh, Matt says it's an air fresh or uh, an air filter. But guys, if you're going on uh, if you're going on Odyssey of the Seas, Hal's blue cousin is definitely in every elevator, and it's creepy. <laughs> There's this panel above you. That has a circular look to it, and it is the it is uh, a air purifier. Uh, Billy is wearing his tinfoil hat today while he records the podcast, so you'll have to excuse the uh, the the opinions here. But <laughs> I swear it's the air purifier on there. Something else I've never seen in a rail carbon elevator before. If it, you know, if you say so, then. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I, I will act like I believe you because I don't want the uh, computer overlords to get angry. <laughs> You're going to say, enjoy your brain while you still have control over it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about the ship because, yeah, this has become the elevator Sorry. this week podcast. Um, so, you know, the thing for me, it, again, going back to the other quantum class ships, the thing always for me was that. I always feel it was a little more, it was an uneven experience. Like certain areas of the ship really drew me and other areas of the ship, I just never went to unless there was, I was not forced to, but I really had a strong reason to go there. And I felt like with Odyssey and being the now fifth quantum class ship, uh, you know, I, I felt like it was a much more even keeled experience. I, I felt like they had kind of finally gotten it all right. There were certainly, there were areas of the ship that were always like really popular. The Esplanade, I think, was always strong. Uh, you always had, you know, a, a good area in certain parts of the pool deck. But, you know, it just, it, they, they finally kind of got all the tweaks, all the tricks together. And it really shows. Uh, I think there are two areas, Billy, that stood out to me. One of them was the C-Plex. And the other was the pool deck. And I'm going to say the C-Plex, number one, uh, it got a complete revamp. Uh, so it has the core things there. You got, still got bumper cars and there's pickleball and there's soccer and things like that. But... The areas surrounding it are no longer a Dave and Buster's for teenagers. Uh, they have really redone this whole area. And what I like about it is they still have plenty of things for kids to do there in, in terms of video games and whatnot. But the Playmakers edition on the C-Plex really changes the dynamic of the entire venue for the better. Uh, that That's number one. Let's talk about that first, then we'll move on to the pool deck. But um, I, I really thought that uh, they did a great job with the C-Plex. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll agree. You know, I, I can't compare it to the other quantum class ships, but I, I'm not a, a sports ball person, as I say. But I really liked Playmakers. You get fantastic views from up there. It's a it's a large, very comfortable space with a lot of different uh, seating options, and I, I the idea that you can enjoy that space either kind of within it or or the the the, the 
high top bar sort of areas out directly overlooking the uh, sport court and whatnot. That that's really cool too because that means that you can enjoy it either whether you're watching a sporting event on television or any of the activities going on in the Cplex. Um, the the only if I if I was looking for something to to ding it on, it's a little funky to get there. You can't like take an elevator directly there. Yes. Um, but uh, but but everyone knows it's there. You're gonna look for the stairs. You're gonna find it. Um, selfishly, I wish that that was the pub because just such great. It's such a wonderful space. Yeah. Um, but it needs to be that big to be uh, playmakers because as we saw, there was um, I think some sort of football game. I don't even remember. Uh, not not my thing. <laughs> One night during our sailing, and, and that place got very popular. Um, I, I kind of wonder what it would be like um, on a full sailing, but I suspect you hit a balking constraint and you end up with some overflow into the pub and, and even maybe music hall. They have some televisions there. If, you know, if it was like a, a playoff game or something where it was really overwhelming, um, but it was a, a, a great space for, for, for hanging out, for having a few drinks and for food. If you're looking for bar food, like, but good bar food, Excellent. I, I like anything that adds options without taking away. And I think that's what they did um, with the, the C-Plex compared to what I've seen in pictures and video from the other quantum class ships is they added something without taking anything away. Yeah, I think that's, that's a great description of it. And I also have something else that you love, Billy, which is outside views. I, so because it's on the, the second floor of the C-Plex, um, which puts it on, I think, deck 16, if I'm not mistaken. It's one of the highest vantage points on the ship and um, certainly one of the highest air-conditioned vantage points. <laughs> Floor-to-ceiling windows uh, throughout a lot of it. Um, so it was beautiful. We were up there in the late uh, late afternoon, early evening one time, and you had the, the nice blue from that time of day coming through the windows. Um, it, w- it was great because I, I, I like knowing I'm on a ship. And... Man, did you ever from up there? Yeah, it, it it it's it's a great spot, and I really like what they did with that. And that kind of also ties into what they did with the pool deck. And I was actually a fan of the old pool deck's design, but this one actually is better. I got to admit. So on other quantum class ships, you have the main pool. Then, if you're moving forward in the deck, you've got an indoor pool, which is open to all guests, but it's an indoor pool. And then you have the solarium. And on this ship, on Odyssey. Two things they've changed. Number one, the indoor pool is no longer indoors; it's just part. It's a it's an outdoor pool, kind of more of an extension of the main pool. And uh, in addition, they have the lime and coconut uh, motif to it. That's the resort style Caribbean vibes pool deck, as Real Caribbean calls it. I really like the changes here. I think it really helps. I think number one, the the lime and coconut vibe definitely helps. I think it it, it sets it apart. It's not just another pool deck. I like the motif. I think that was a home run. And then when you have the indoor pool move to an outdoor pool, it feels less jarring, less like when you move from main pool to the secondary pool, it doesn't feel like, okay, we're, we're, we're changing pool areas. Now we're going to a completely different part of the ship. It's just a more of a continuation. And I feel like the flow of it is a little bit better. It's kind of like the best, the best way I can describe it is if you're watching like an HGTV episode, which I'm sure Billy loves to watch in his spare time, one of those home remodeling shows. Uh, where they knock down a wall and now they're like, oh, look at the flow. It's so much more open. The open, like, that's the best way I can describe it. But I really liked it. And I felt like it was, uh, uh, I, again, overall, I enjoyed the pool deck a lot more. It felt a little less contained, a little more open. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you two things that I really liked about it. One, um, with the as far as the the openness and the difference between the other quantum class ships. For, for anyone that's not familiar, a, a big reason that Royal likely chose to go this direction is because uh, the other quantum class ships spend significant portions of time in cooler climates, where the the indoor pool is a desirable feature. Um, and I get that. Whereas this ship, uh, as it's planned right now, will stay in uh, in warmer areas. Um, so, so you want all of, all of that outdoor open deck space. And if somebody said, well, then why didn't they rearrange it and just have like a larger single pool area? I'm a big fan of breaking up pools because on a ship, it, it's different if you're talking land resort or like, um, over at the, the, the Oasis Lagoon on Coco Cay. But when you're talking about being on a ship, I think it's more important to have a number of smaller pools, um, and even smaller uh, pool decks, not that it's small by any standard, um, <laughs> than, than one really large one. Because not only does it make it feel less crowded, but it gives you more linear space. And linear space is important for finding that deck chair that you really want in the location that you want. Uh, it's good for, if you uh, if you have kids, being able to kind of keep an eye on them and not not realizing that yeah they're they're at the same pool deck but they're 700 feet away um so so that part was really nice i I enjoyed having that that part and having the the second lime and coconut themed bar i don't remember if they called it lime and coconut in that previously enclosed or otherwise enclosed uh, area also made it so that that pool was a little bit more quiet. It was, um, even though it, you know, you could walk freely there, I don't think there were any doors or anything between the two. It, uh, it helped keep the music a little more quiet, uh, the live music, which was great uh, by the main pool deck, by the way, and the, the kids area with the, um, the, the water slides, forgot what they call it. Uh, so, so that was nice. I liked the way it was broken up and yet still to your point flowed very well. And, uh, and they, that, um, not really infinity, but glass-sided uh, jacuzzi or hot tub up uh, up top there was a uh, was a pretty cool feature. So, uh, so yeah, the the way that it was open, the way that it flowed, having those separate pools, I really liked. I, I will say, as I ramble on, the decor, the lime and coconut concept. This is the first time I had been on a, a ship with uh, lime and coconut. We were just on Mariner uh, together a few weeks ago, and they have a lot of the new furniture, pool furniture, and colors, which I really like. When I saw in pictures the heavy lime and coconut theme and uh, and color pattern, I actually thought I wasn't going to like it. In pictures, it looked too bright and plasticky. In person, I thought it was absolutely wonderful. Um, a lot of a lot of different textures and styles of furniture. Um, a lot brighter um, so that it felt more more modern, but still like you're on a ship. I just think they did a great job with all of the pool decks, including we can talk about separately or not the, the solarium, which is also uh, gorgeous in its own right. Yeah, the solarium was, I mean, beautiful. I, that's actually, I would say, Billy, the most beautiful solarium on any Royal Caribbean ship uh, is the is the quantum class solariums because they're expansive. And I really like that multi-deck approach. It, it helps really break it apart. I've always been a fan of the Radiance class uh, uh, solarium, which like we went on Brilliance of the Seas, which is great. Um, and it's not very large, but I like the layout of that. But the quantum class one really feels a little more posh, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I really, I think that layout really helps break it apart more. And it feels like there's more to it rather than if they just stuck a giant pool in the middle of it. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's an evolution of what they did on, on Oasis class with the solarium. 
Yep. Um, and it's like air conditioned. Yes, I was. Uh, I like the complete enclosure. Um, it, it's warmer in there than you know if it was uh, if you were inside any normal space on the ship, but not like uh, I can't just sit here without getting sweaty. Um, it's a, in my opinion, nice temperature. The the multi level pool is nice. It's very um gives you a lot of pool space while still feeling like almost you're in a giant hot tub. Mm. Plus they do have those um, two part, two of those two part hot tubs off to each side. Not only are there multiple decks to hang out in with these really nice um, uh, couch, uh, like outdoor couches and the, and the half circle sort of a uh, padded seating. But in addition, it's not just like two levels with a, a set of stairs. There are little parts that kind of jet out toward the um, uh, the forward end of the ship. And it, yeah, it, it it does feel like you are at a resort, even down to the trees. I love the fact that they have uh, trees in that area and, and, and plants. Uh, beautiful. That That ended up being my favorite spot on the ship, actually, was the solarium. Yeah, it, it's wonderful, and it definitely, I think, is one of the highlights of being on a Quantum-class ship, so uh, those are definitely good. Let's talk about food, Billy, because there's a lot of great restaurants on here. We both had the unlimited dining package on board, and we tried a lot of food during our cruise. I want to start with, the with the the I think, the restaurant that I'm pretty sure you like the most, or I like the most, Giovanni's Italian Kitchen. Oh, man. So at the very beginning, everyone remembers when I was talking about the elevators, that was riveting, right? I know. Great radio. <laughs> um, I said that that's when I realized that this ship was um, an evolution of what Royal Caribbean was doing. And Giovanni's is a revolution in their dining. That was the best meal that I had on any Royal Caribbean ship, period. Not just on this cruise. Um, Giovanni's, I, I'd come to like Jamie's more on Royal in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, Giovanni's was fine, but it was, it was just that it was, it was fine. This is, it's Giovanni's in name only. It's a totally different thing The the menu's different. Um, it, uh, it feels a lot, <laughs> a lot less heavy as, as much can be true for Italian food. I mean, it's still pasta and pizza and stuff like that. Uh, great Napoli style pizza. It was, uh, it was really a wonderful meal and the setting itself, uh, I thought was, was very nice. Yeah, I I had, uh, of course, the Giovanni Southern Kitchen on Freedom of the Seas, but uh, coming here on Odyssey, I really think that it is still good. You know, you always wonder, like, oh, first time, was a, was that just a really good meal because it was just lucky and the chef was in a good mood and it worked out? Yeah. But uh, this was, again, very, very good. I, I think they've really, just like the ship, you know, after these, all these iterations, they finally figured out, I think, a really a winning combo when it comes to Giovanni's Italian Kitchen. And, uh, you know, like you, I, I, I j- tended to prefer, uh, Jamie's over classic Giovanni's. I was on adventure of the seas in June and they have the really OG adventure of, uh, Giovanni's Italian menu on adventure and it was fine. But when I went on Mariner, then I was like, oh, good. Jamie's much better. But this I think is better than Jamie's. Uh, I really like their, they, they have classic dishes. They have a little more, uh, adventurous dishes on there. And it is all so good. We luckily were with a big group and we were able to try quite a lot of the food there and everything that came out just looked amazing, smelled better. And it was just, uh, it was an excellent meal. Well worth trying out. If you're an Italian food fan, this is definitely the place to go because it was really, really nice. Uh, some other restaurants we ate at, uh, in addition to, uh, Giovanni's would have been the, uh, the teppanyaki, which we've done before Billy, but I like that they split up the sushi restaurant from the hibachi. That was a nice touch because, you know, it, it feels like it's either when they have hibachi, there's like a sushi bar relegated to the corner 
Whereas here, you have, still have your own restaurant for sushi, your own restaurant for hibachi. And boy, those views are amazing up there. Yeah, they're completely different restaurants. So I, I, I didn't, I didn't feel like anything was missing by not having com- them combined. I thought it just, it made it so that the space didn't feel as, uh, as chopped up or awkward. Like um, we're on um, Mariner recently, and you know, you, you feel like you're walking through one dining experience to get to another, um, and you didn't have that on uh, on on Odyssey. So I enjoyed that, and yeah, you sit um, at. Most, if not all, the tables you sit facing directly out at these these beautiful windows, which means depending on time of year and stuff, I would recommend if it fits your schedule, try and get um, try and make it so that you're sitting down for dinner in Teppanyaki around uh, or just before sunset. Even if you say, "Well, what if the ship's going the other direction, not facing you know the sunset?" That's fine, but just so you that, that you get those really pretty colors uh, that time of day. Yeah, it's just it's it's great. Uh, I really like that quite a bit. Uh, you know, and another restaurant I know that I want to talk about because you particularly enjoy it also is Solarium Bistro. It, it's kind of the one that I, I feel like people don't talk about a, a lot. Um, you know, you and I enjoyed uh, a, I think it was our third dinner there on Symphony at the Solarium Bistro. And it's very similar on Odyssey in terms of it being uh, we'll say pseudo Mediterranean theme. Like they have a lot of Mediterranean dishes, but there's more to it than that. A little bit lighter in a lot of the dishes, but not, uh, not to where it's just a place to get snacks. Now what they don't have that I think may have been different. And maybe I'm misremembering from symphony. It is just what is there at the buffet. There is no additional a la carte. Or, uh, yeah. A la carte menu. Um, it's, it's just, uh, it's just everything there at the buffet, but, um, and, and in breakfast, it's, it's fine. It's, I went there because it's a pretty space, but it's pretty normal breakfast. Here. But lunch and, and dinner, um, were, were great there. I, I found there are a couple ways that I measure certain types of cuisine. And in this case, uh, in addition to many other things that I tried there, I had falafel, I had hummus, and I had baklava, and in all three cases, um, I would have been happy if I went to a restaurant and paid for those. And it is a complimentary dining venue on Odyssey of the Sea, so that's not a specialty one. Um, and it's it's one of the several nice, um, in my opinion, dining options on the ship that are complimentary. Uh, so I, I'm, you know, if I was kind of kind of circling back to what we we're talking about with Giovanni's, um, next time I'm on Odyssey, which is coming up pretty soon, actually. I may not do an ultimate dining package. I will still go to Giovanni's, um, but I'll definitely enjoy Solarium Bistro. Yeah, it, it's vastly underrated. Most people that you talk about, it doesn't get talked about. I think most people don't even know it exists until maybe halfway through their cruise. And if you're a vegetarian or maybe just an adventurous eater, just want something different, it's a really nice choice. And I do recommend that um, quite a bit. And so I, I think that's really the the biggies there when you come to that. Um, there's so much to talk about, but you know, we, uh, one thing I did, uh, you didn't, I don't believe you had a chance to do it, Bill, but I got to say zone zero is a must do. If you're going on odyssey of the seas, this is a virtual reality experience where they put on a full VR suit for you. And unlike other VR experiences where you're what you're in a helmet, you got a helmet on, you're kind of looking around, you actually walk around and you see other people who are there with you in your group in virtual reality. It is so cool. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of like finally, that, that thing that we've always imagined VR would be like, we've been talking about this forever, but it, it, it was incredible, quite frankly. And, um, I, as, when we all got done with it, it lasted about, I want to say 15 or 20 minutes. And we took off the helmets and we got back into the ready room there and we all looked at each other like, Holy moly, that was amazing because 
it really is what VR, I think we always thought VR would be. So I do recommend it. When we did it, it was complimentary, but literally the next sailing afterwards, Royal Caribbean is going to be start charging uh, $18 a person for it. I'm telling you right now, it's worth $18. Book it. It's actually, I don't, no one wants to pay extra for anything, uh, but I'll just point out that part of the reason is that it was, it sold out almost immediately. There was so much demand being free that doesn't help anything. So at least with the cost, that may help a little bit in terms of uh, freeing up demand there. But anyway, that is my uh, must do on board. That really stood out to me. Is Billy, is there something that we haven't talked about on board the ship that really stood out to you? Uh, you know, um, uh, there there was a lot that stood out for for me on on uh, on this ship because again it really just it felt um uh, like a very a very plus Royal Caribbean experience uh something that that Larissa did for the first time and I watched that is available on other ships but I love the placement on this ship um was iFly uh the simulated skydiving experience and the location of both iFly and the flow rider on the ship are such that you have great views off of the stern. Um, though I'm sure if you're actually the one in iFly, you're uh, you're probably not focused at all on what's happening outside <laughs> of that <laughs> that plexiglass tube. Um, but uh, you know, it, it the the ship made a real impression with me. Um, I, I we could probably sit here and talk about almost any of the spaces. And I could uh, I could go on about why I enjoyed it, perhaps more than other, or m- almost certainly more than other Royal Caribbean ships that I just had over time. Um, I don't want to say I got tired because you know I'm always happy to jump on a Royal Caribbean ship, um, but I, I knew what to expect, and it wasn't as exciting to me anymore. This ship was exciting. It felt refined. It felt like a more polished experience. And if this is what we have to look forward to. With, with with future Royal Caribbean ventures, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I like the uh, we didn't the main dining room was absolutely beautiful. I was only able to only able to go there for breakfast one day, but I really like they they number one they switched it from a number of different venues into one main dining room again, which uh, makes a lot of sense for for a variety of reasons. And you know, there's just I felt like again the ship was balanced well to the point that I wasn't just like relegating myself to one part of the ship like I usually was. On say Anthem mm-hmm. of the Seas, um, I, I I think that they finally got it. I don't say right because I didn't first the others were wrong. That wasn't the case, but they really figured it out. It all came together, kind of like a boy. I know you love sports metaphors, Billy, but it's like a team that uh, you know struggles with mediocrity to some extent. Maybe just can't quite get over that the championship line, and then they finally put it all together when they figure it all out. That's what Odyssey felt like to me, and. I well, while I'm not sure I'm ready to say it's better than an Oasis class ship, in my opinion, or rather, I'd you know, I'd say I prefer it over an Oasis class ship. I certainly am rethinking it, especially because I've got Odyssey booked for November, and I'm curious again how it's going to stack up. Because if that one is as good as this experience, I mean, this might be one of my top ships in the fleet now because it's got that total package feel to it. Yeah, it, it, to, to your point, balancing things. It, this is going to be really important as. Um, more people return to cruising and as uh, ship capacities increase, because of course we're on in fairness, the ship when they're, they're at what 30% or something like that. Right. Um, on any ship, the more balanced the venues are in terms of popularity in the spaces, uh, the more evenly spread out, the better that ship is going to feel the less crowded. It's going to feel the better. Everything's just going to work. 
And you're right. There, there are a lot of ships, um, Royal Caribbean and otherwise, that have spaces that just don't tend to be as popular or maybe aren't as popular in certain markets. Um, the um, uh, Vintages is a great example of that, right? I always look at Vintages on Royal Caribbean ships and I say, well, there's no one there. That's lost space right now while other places are crowded. When you have a ship that just is every spot is equally as popular it spreads people out and it also means that everyone has options that they're excited about at any given time of the day you know we didn't mention uh 270 that's another one uh it, that could very easily have been just a space where people went in the evening and that would have been great um however it's a great space during the day. There are different events going on during the day. There are different talks going on during the day. And even when there's not something on the calendar, you find people socializing there, hanging out, enjoying um, lunch or a snack over at Cafe 270, another really good complimentary place for, for lunch. I thought it was going to be like Cafe Promenade Part 2. No, no, no. Really unique items there. Fresh, good food. Um, so when you even have what could easily have been a nighttime entertainment space that is still useful and popular with folks during the day. That's when you know that you've, you've really nailed um, the, the distribution of crowds. Yeah. No, it's, it's incredibly well said. And uh, um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, so, you know, Odyssey's is, there's a lot in here and we didn't even talk about everything <laughs> there is to do on board the ship uh, between the entertainment and more things to eat. But I think if you're listening to, if you want to take out one anecdote out of this, it is that it is the most complete feeling quantum class ship that I have been on yet. Granted, I've not been on spectrum or ovation, but nonetheless, I feel very confident in saying that this is the best quantum class ship to date. Uh, assuming of course you can't get out to spectrum of the season Asia, but I, I really feel like this is just, it, it's got everything that you would want in it. Uh, the only thing it doesn't have actually uh, I guess I'll point this out. There's no water slides on board. I didn't even think about this until maybe day two or three that there aren't any. That's not the biggest deal in the world. I don't think most people would necessarily mind, but uh, considering Royal Caribbean has begun so heavy in the water slides after many, many years of having no water slides, it was just kind of like a, oh yeah, there isn't one on there. But, uh, you know, I, I think there's still plenty for, for everybody to do on board that you can overlook that aspect to it. Again, it was a very, very fun ship to be on. There are uh, just for for those wondering with uh, real small kids. There there is like a what's what's the area on the main pool deck that has the small little slides? Splash away, um, splash away bay. Yeah. So 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 you know don't get confused there. There they have they have that area for for little kids. But we're talking we'll say um, uh, adolescent to adult size slides. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's uh, now you can you can request that they uh, put a bunch of dish soap and water on the stairs in music hall. <laughs> And, uh, and, and just the, the landing is rough. That's the only problem is the landing is really, really rough. <laughs> uh, let me get the lawyers to record the, uh, disclaimer that comes after this episode. But, uh, if you want more interesting takes on sports and uh, recreational activities for your kids and cruising in between, check out uh, cruisehabit.com where uh, Billy <laughs> shared. You are setting up, you are setting all of the wrong expectations now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> If you want to, if you want some, if you want to read all about Disney Cruise Line without uh, without having ever been on it with a child, um, that would be a more accurate, uh, but or, or label. But uh, I will tell you, if you if you do want to see more Odyssey of the Seas, um, I'm going to be back on October 31st. 
because that's how much I like the ship is within like a day or two. Larissa and I both went, we, we need, we need to be back on this. So we, uh, we booked another wall on board. Nice. Very nice. Billy, thanks again for joining us here on this episode. Thank you very much for having me. It was, uh, it was mostly a pleasure. All right, time to answer your listener emails. This is the part of the episode where I read the emails that you sent in for me to answer here on the podcast. If you want to send me your emails, you can do so by sending to Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our first email this week is from Shannon A. Who writes, Hi, Matt. I have a question about the dining package and Izumi Hibachi. I remember hearing in a podcast episode that the Hibachi reservations were hard to get or sold out. With a three-night dining package, can I go to Hibachi? And if they're hard to get and I can't make a reservation until we're on the ship, is there a tip or trick to guarantee that I get it? Thanks for all you do. Can't wait to sail Harmony for Thanksgiving. Shannon, thanks for the email. So you're right. They are hard to get, but that was pre-COVID. In this age of limited capacity, that's not a problem anymore, Shannon. I would recommend number one, you absolutely go there on day one at embarkation day. My suggestion is go there immediately. You know, have lunch maybe because you know you don't want to be hangry when you go in there. Uh, but have lunch, go to uh, then immediately go to Hibachi and make a reservation. Again, with limited capacity, it's not as hot of a ticket to get, but they do sell out, and I would not wait on it. Um, if you're talking now, you're talking about Harmony this year, I think. So that you're, I think you're probably be set there. But as we start looking forward to cruises, you know, maybe next year or something like that. The other strategy that I used before was, regardless of a dining package or not, I would book a separate reservation and pay cash, or you know, in the cruise planner, right, for Hibachi. And then when I got to the restaurant, I would say I paid for this already, but I have a dining package, and they would refund me the money in the form of onboard credit. Uh, tell them bef when you first check in what you're doing. Don't wait until the bill comes out. Then you'll just be sitting around for 20 minutes while they figure it out. Basically, they can sort it all out while you're eating. Um, that has worked for me. That is the, you know, if if, if you definitely want to go on there and Royal Caribbean is back to doing, gosh, you know, 75% capacity or so, I would probably say that's a, the, the surefire way of getting in because it is extremely popular uh, uh, dining choice for a lot of people. Next email is from Brian who writes, Hi, Matt. How does prepaid Zoom internet work with one device? Specifically, my wife will need to have her phone during the day and then switch over to computer to do online school at night. I remember you saying that they don't use codes anymore. We only have ever purchased the internet on one of our past cruises. Also, what loyalty level does the internet become complimentary? Thanks so much. Enjoy listening to you on Facebook, YouTube, and of course, the weekly podcast. Brian, thanks for the email. So Zoom, uh, if you have a one device package, basically means when you get on board the ship, you'll create a login. So you'll connect to the Royal Caribbean's Wi-Fi. You'll, you'll say, I wanna create an account. And uh, if you purchase it before the cruise, Brian, when after you create your username and password, it will say, ah, I see you have a prepaid package. You activate the prepaid package and then you're good to go. So basically when you have the login, you can either log out of device number one, uh, which would be uh, your wife's phone and then onto her computer, or you could just go right to the computer and it'll say, hey, you're, you've already met your max devices. Should I log you out of the other device? You hit yes. And then your phone automatically gets disconnected and your uh, computer gets connected to the internet and you're good to go. So basically when you have any of the Voom internet packages, the device package you buy, one, two, five, whatever the case may be, uh, that is the maximum amount of devices at one time, but you can use an unlimited amount of devices uh, with the internet package, just a matter of how many can be connected at the same time. So hopefully Brian, that answers your question. Next, we have an email from Robbie in Australia. Hi, Matt. Love watching your videos and listening to the podcast. My question is about Lalepa. 
the planned private island in the South Pacific. Since it was first announced two years ago, I've seen very few details about it. Do you have any updates on it? And is it still scheduled to open in 2022? Robbie, thanks for the email. Number one, I uh, don't think it's going to open in 2022 at all. I think, uh, quite frankly, uh, the obviously with the pandemic, everything put all those plans on hold. Some plans are moving forward, albeit delayed. Uh, and I strongly, in fact, Robbie, I mean, it's all but confirmed that it's going to be delayed, that you're not going to get a lot of opening in 22. As far as I know, it is still on the docket. I have no reason to believe it's been canceled, but uh, I, I just don't think that it's still on its original schedule because, again, uh, everything that happened there, the pandemic. And you're right, there's been a lot of projects, including LEPA, that we've not heard really any updates for because there just hasn't been any updates to share. Royal has just not done anything. When the shutdown first began, Royal Caribbean basically just, just hit the pause button on every single thing they were doing. And some things have started to re-go uh, again. But uh, as far as I'm aware of, there's been no updates uh, because there's been no progress made in LEPA. But I do believe, as far as I know, it's still theoretically scheduled to occur at some point. So it's a very non-committal update for you, but I guess not canceled yet anyway. It's basically the best way I can put it. Next email is from Suze and Steve. Hi, Matt. Greetings from the UK. We found your podcast at the beginning of the summer. And we love it. We've worked our way through most of the old episodes and now look forward to the new ones each week. We've got off uh, Anthem of the Seas this morning after a six-night staycation cruise from Southampton, England. We had an amazing time and wanted to share our thoughts. As our kids were unvaccinated guests and therefore couldn't get uh, off without being on a Royal Caribbean excursion, we stayed on board for the duration of the cruise. We were worried we might feel trapped, but this was not the case. We didn't have time to get bored. We've sailed on Voyager and Independence of the Seas in the past, but this was our first quantum glass ship. We love the iFly, Cplex, and we will rock you, but miss the ice rink, laser quest, and water slides. This is our first cruise with kids ages four and eight, and they loved Adventure Ocean. We took your advice and headed there after embarkation day. Glad we did. Due to COVID restrictions, we were limited to 10 hours over the trip, and we saw several families trying to register after the first day, only to be told there were no available sessions left. We could not agree more about the dress code that should be enforced in the main dining room. We actually felt a bit out of place on formal night as we'd gone all out, but most tables near us were in jeans and t-shirts. We even got out our cruise compass to check we hadn't gotten it the wrong night. Our kids now love cruising as much as we do, and we're hoping to combine a trip to Walt Disney World with a Caribbean cruise in 2023. This will be a once-in-a-lifetime vacation for us. Which ports itinerary ships would you recommend for a young family who are unlikely to return to the Caribbean? Thanks for all you do. Great email. Thanks for the review there of Anthem of the Seas out of the UK. Uh, love hearing that. Love hearing that your kids are hooked as well. If you're, in my mind, if you're looking for which ship to do uh, for a once-in-a-lifetime or unlikely to return to the Caribbean, you want to do an Oasis class ship. There, there's no doubt in my mind. Pick one, whatever one it is. doesn't really matter. I might lean towards Oasis or Harmony personally, but Symphony is fantastic. Allure is great. Just pick one of those and go there. You won't. There's Oasis class and there's everything else. And I think that would definitely be a good choice for you. And our last email uh, this week comes from Donna and Rick Smith. Hi, Matt. You demand Hodgeberg. I was looking. I was going to post this on the Royal Korean uh, Facebook group, but uh, I didn't want my older brother seeing me asking questions about drinking. I never would have heard the end of it. I understand that since COVID, the Diamond Lounge adds four drinks to your CPAS card each day. My question is, do these drinks need to be consumed between 4 and 8 p.m., or can you consume them any time of the day with a limit of four total? Yes, you got it right. It's the, it's the latter. Uh, you do it at the end. So you... Uh, the, the nice thing is you don't have unlimited drinks in the in the Diamond Lounge anymore, but you have uh, any four drinks to be consumed at any point in the day, 9 a.m., 4 p.m., you know, 11 p.m., does not matter. 
Donna and Rick Smith all say, also, if you do not drink four in one day, do they roll over the next day like our old cell phone plans used to? Thanks for all the content you provide and keep up the good work. Uh, they do not roll over. There's no, it's, it's use them or lose them kind of situation there. Uh, something you could do is maybe you order, you know, if you're getting to the end of the day and you're like, I don't want to drink anything else, but I have a drink or two left. You might order a beer or something, something that comes in a bottle and or a can and hope that they don't open it and then you can put it in your fridge or in your stateroom. That might be an option for you, but no, they don't roll over, unfortunately. So it's a use them or lose them situation. So you just got to basically tell your brothers, I got no choice but to continue drinking because uh, this is wasted money, if nothing else, or something like that. I'm not sure. So thank you to everybody for joining me on this episode of the Real Coming Blog Podcast. If you want to email me your question, you can do so by sending it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, and I'll be sure to read it in an upcoming episode. This has been Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.